right, welcome back to the big program. Nine o'clock in Edmonton, and uh, let's welcome in our Wednesday co-host, uh, David Schlemko, powered by Cougar Paint and Collision, our family helping your family for over 40 years. Check out CougarCollision.com as we uh, welcome in David Schlemko to the Sports 1440 studios. Good morning, Schlemmer. Happy New Year. How are the holidays? Happy New Year, Kev. Oh, holidays are great. Can't complain. Uh... Good holidays. Made her down to the hat. Made her down to the hat. A little disappointing to be a Team Canada fan over the past week. But, uh, you know, it's always nice to have a little time off, see the family. Yeah, you know, we never touched on Team Canada's loss yesterday so far today. We obviously talked about it a lot yesterday for the last couple of hours. Right. But, you know, what do you make of it, the whole... It's so hard because these kids get built up for the two weeks or three weeks or four weeks, whatever you want to call it. That's right after selection camp. And, you know, they're 19 years old, 18 years old. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And, you know, they have a lot of responsibility and pressure and weight on their shoulders. And then when the balloon pops, it's hard. And we we kind of forget that they're just young, young, young guys. Yeah, they're just kids, right? I mean, it's (laughs) the World Juniors is like a religion in Canada. You know, I know, I know for a fact I, I love it. Yeah. I mean, everyone's watching. It's a lot of pressure. The whole country's watching you. But, uh, yeah, I, at the end of the day, they're just kids. So it is tough. But, uh, you know, would have liked to have watched a couple more games there over the break. And now it just feels like, well, I'm going to watch if it sort of fits into the schedule. You're not going, okay, Canada's playing at X time tomorrow. Oh, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, we've seen this before where they lost in the quarterfinals, and in, I think it was in Vancouver, just takes the whole, the life out of the tournament for Canadians. Yes, you're going to be watching, uh, you know, other teams in the sense that you're excited to see these young players. Right. But, I mean, you're just, you know, you're not, you don't have the Maple Leaf thing going for you. So is there something that you, when you watched the game yesterday, you went, hmm, maybe, you know, a player two here or a player that wasn't on the team. A lot of, we got some texts yesterday about Riley Height, you know, it wasn't on the team. Maybe the scoring was down. You needed more offense. Yeah. I mean, what'd I mean, you see? I Historically, I th- it's probably one of the weaker teams they've iced. I think losing those two defensemen right before the tournament really hurt them. Uh, I think their decor is usually much more dominant. It's just shutting everything down, moving pucks out of their end easily. I thought Matejchuk and Lamoureux were mm-hmm. really excellent the whole tournament, but usually they have 60 that are like that. They're all studs. And I, I just thought they had a harder time in the D zone, a harder time getting out of their end. Uh, I mean, the tournament's in Europe this year, the first time in, I think, four oh, years. Yeah. So they never really dominate as much on the big ice either. So I think you got to take that into consideration a little bit. Team assembly. I mean, even like we were hoping that Jagger Furcus from Irma would make the grade. Ended up going over there as a sort of an emergency kind of situation when uh, Matt Savoy, another local product, was uh, was injured. I just didn't see enough offense and the creativity and mm, cycling and things like that. I didn't see a lot of yeah, that. Yeah, you know I was going mean? to say that. Like a little bit of North American, like yeah. Team Canada hockey. I thought they, they tried to go one-on-one and kind of outskill the Europeans a lot where instead of just getting that puck deep and getting physical, mm-hmm. like you said, cycling the puck and, and really grinding teams. You didn't see a lot of that. Uh, 
coaching? What did you? Was there anything that you could see? I guess systems wise or uh, implementing players or plays or uh, times a game. You know, making a few changes. Uh, well, for me, it's it's a little harder because it's the big ice. Mm-hmm. I didn't play on the big ice. Um, so I, I think the systems are a little bit different for me. The one thing I did notice was the PK. I didn't I didn't love the PK. Mm-hmm. I thought there's too much time for them to walk down the flank and have those shots. But like I said, you you got to be a little bit more passive on the big ice too. So mm-hmm. I, I don't know if that's that changes things. David Schlemko, our co-host on Wednesdays on Sports 1440. So uh, we'll just stick with the World Juniors for a, a couple more minutes here. Day off today and then the semifinals tomorrow. Is it cut and dried that we're going to see Sweden and U.S. in the gold medal game? Yeah, you'd think so. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think uh, those two top teams far and yeah. away there. I mean, Sweden had a couple hiccups there with uh, Finland. Yeah, but even in the game yesterday against the Swiss, okay, Switzerland could That's have easily true. won that game. They didn't exactly have um, the refing wasn't in the Switzerland side. Being right. a neutral country, you'd think they could at least have neutral <laughs> refereeing. <laughs> so Yeah. I mean, they're one of those teams that can always hang around even if they're getting outshot two or three to one. And mm-hmm. That's just world juniors, right? Yeah. Uh, just want to make a quick announcement here, too. Uh, to all the great texts that uh, we received so far this morning and really appreciate them coming in. And I, I'm a big boy. I can handle... The odd, the odd bullet here and there. Got no problem with it. You're taking it from all directions. That's I was fine. driving in here I this got, morning. I got no problem. I mean, if people want to question my knowledge, question my whatever broadcasting skills, I'm all for it. That's what life's about. Your game. To, to question. That's what, you know, it's responsibility. You should be able to question what's going on out there in the world and have an opinion. So um, just want to mention that I think... Having said that, we just got a text in, Duke. Uh, I was told that our text line is going to be under service for the next couple of hours. Uh, we did just receive two texts coming in, though, Duke. So what's going on? I was told that uh, the, the text line is going to be shut down from, well, 9 to 11 in our show, Fantasy Frenzy, and then an hour of uh, the uh, lowdown? Of the lowdown, yeah. That was the news that we got Um and I mean, the way this last uh, maybe half hour, maybe that last half hour, you were kind of hoping for the text line to get <laughs> no way, for a little bit. I'm fine with uh, it, dude. Yeah, this this uh, if the text line does in fact indeed go down here, then it was scheduled and not Kevin just ignoring everybody now because people <laughs> were being mean to him. Uh, yes, Jared, Jared just sent in us a test one. Yeah. It looks like we're still getting them, so who knows? Maybe the because it's just scheduled maintenance. We had some issues with the uh, the software yesterday across basically the entire country uh everywhere that uses this um particular programming for their for text lines so they were just going to do some kind of like ma- maintenance and you know back end um technical work on it but looks like maybe it uh, remedied itself mm-hmm. or they're just a little behind on getting uh, started on it this morning who knows any it, one of those could be true it could be like 11 a, 11 a.m the other way like it could be just 11 a.m our time not eastern yeah, very you true. You never know. Okay, you, you suck texts. Uh, well, well, you can. Okay, well, how about this? Jared texts in and says, uh, 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 Jared goes testing the text line. Uh, no, where's the, where is it? Oh, Jordan, sorry. Uh, Schlemko driving to work just down on the fact that he has to work with sucky pants today. <laughs> oh, cut, Jordan, why don't you and Bob get together? We'll meet at, at, uh, at uh, Forrest Gump's here, Bubba Gump Shrimp. 
This is quite the flip. Jordan was on your side earlier, but now he's just leaning into it, I uh, think. And Everyone's uh, jumping on fine. the bandwagon. Uh, Pillman wanted to say uh, Happy New Year, David. Uh, the text, text line seems to be working. I thought well, I would have a little we'll, bit of a break. We'll, we'll keep rolling, and if anything yeah. changes, then we'll uh, let everyone know. But in the meantime, hey, keep sending them in. Yeah. Uh, Nail says uh, you have to give it the, the checks. Give them some credit. They weathered the storm in the second period. Didn't uh, quit the good conditioning. Pays comes from uh, Nails. Fair enough. Uh, Jordan says I... I don't like Bob. He's not coming, but I'm just being a jerk for fun. But be a nice guy. Send in something nice, Jordan. It's the new year. Send in something nice. Come on. Uh, Oilers last night. Schlemmer, you get a chance to watch the, the game? You betcha. Yeah. Um, Connor McDavid, I mean. <laughs> Connor McDavid. <laughs> so, I'm, you know, I was thinking about all the great games that he's had. And, you know, he had that goal against the Rangers. I think he had one against Columbus. And yeah. That's, that was his first game back, I think, after being injured. Um, I don't know where that one ranks, but the passes that he made last night were just incredible. The goal he scored was a nifty goal too. Yep. But he controlled the tempo, the play of the game. And the other thing too that, you know, Sean Couturier was kind of up against him for... I was going to say that. A, not a, It was more earlier in the game, more in the first and Just second, I thought. Straight shadowing him. Yeah. Like to put up five points and like <laughs> highlight real assists all night when you got like one of the best defensive mm-hmm. centers that's supposed to be shadowing you all night. That's, that's impressive. So I kind of thought that that matchup sort of straight away, I think maybe Torts was trying to get away from it a little bit more to maybe get some offense by Couturier. I don't know what his thinking there would be, but the first period I noticed it a lot more than as the game progressed. Is that fair? Yeah, I agree. I I noticed the same thing in the first period. It was almost like he was just shadowing him. Just, uh, he was wherever McDavid was, he was above him Mm -hmm. in the neutral zone, wherever he was. So, uh, but he still broke away a lot, right? Well, I mean, when you can skate like that, who's going to shut you down? (laughs) <laughs> so as a coach, if you're coaching and coming up with a game plan, is that one like, I always remember, you know, Steve Casper out of Boston, this is way before your time to Schlemmer with Wayne Gretzky. So when the okay. Oilers played Boston, Steve Casper would be Gretzky's shadow. And that was the, probably the most uh, notable one that you could think of in, in the past. There were others for sure, but Steve Casper was the one that comes to mind the most. But when you see Connor McDavid the last few years, do you see teams going that route where we're going to try to have a guy in your back pocket more of the game? I think with Connor, it's more of a team by committee kind of thing because there's not one guy that can skate with Connor and stay above him, stay Mm -hmm. with him wherever he goes. Like I remember playing for the Sharks. We played them in playoffs. I think it was 2016, maybe Mm -hmm. 2017. And we had Joe Pavelski was playing against Connor, right? Yep. Maybe it's the fastest guy in the league against one of the slowest guys. <laughs> <laughs> like, we said, like we said, it had to be by committee. I mean, we'd be we'd be watching video the day after the game and and be laughing at Pav, you know, trying to keep up with Connor McDavid. <laughs> Funny to watch. So it, it can't be a one on one kind of thing. It's it's got to be by committee to shut a guy down like that. David Schlemko with us on Sports fourteen forty, our Wednesday co host nine to eleven. So. I guess is it the strategy to try to get on Connor early, maybe not necessarily in the neutral zone, but even in the Oilers' defensive zone to uh, stop him or not stop him, to limit him getting up to speed? 
Yeah, I think lose a guy, lose a guy in the neutral zone. I mean, uh, when I played for Dave Tippett, we used to do it against Patrick Kane. You know, he would always swing super deep in behind the D on the regroup and try to, you know, get that back pass and carry mm-hmm. it through everybody. And you see Connor do that a lot too, come underneath and try to come with speed. I think the best thing to do is just keep the puck out of his hands. Having said that, his line mates are playing pretty well right now too. Oh, 100%. So, it's easier said than done, it right? It is, yeah. So, <laughs> and I mean when before we get to the second line, let's just talk about, you know, the line of Connor McDavid, Ryan Nugent Hopkins and Zach Hyman for a moment. And and Hyman is just, you know, 22 goals. That's as quiet of 22 goals as you're going to get. He's so good inside. I think we saw two or three instances last night on the power play alone where he's getting the puck down near the goal line just to the goalie's right, swinging around quick. Stuffing it. Yeah. yeah. And that's what opens up that backdoor pass eventually, mm-hmm. right, if they don't respect that walk from low. So he's he's the perfect complement to Connor McDavid, mm-hmm. right? I mean, he's heavy down low. Like you said, he, he gets inside, he gets to the net, and even with Nuge, I mean, they all just complement each other so nicely. And it takes a lot of pressure off of those three when the other guys are scoring too, right? Nugent Hopkins, it seems, if you could probably look at all the stats wherever he gets inserted, if he plays with Leon Dreisaitl, that line goes. If he plays with Connor McDavid, that line goes. He's the glue guy. So, again, and I think, you know, Connor was asked this, I believe, in the interview post game with Gene Principe last night. You know, he, talk about the three of you, you know. And again, there's an opportunity. Connor doesn't like to talk about himself, but he will talk about his line mates. So he went, well, Zach is just this and that. He went on. And Con- and uh, Ryan Nugent Hopkins, he fits into every kind of slot, like the Swiss Army knife. I think he might have called him that. Yeah. So what makes Ryan Nugent Hopkins so good in the sense to have the ability to kind of be a chameleon and a jackal and move around and and be able to go to certain areas with certain different line mates and be successful. He's smarter than everybody else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> He's just a really heady player. Um, like you said, he can play with anybody. That's That's a good skill to have. There's not a lot of guys that can go and be dropped into a new line and make an impact. I think with him... He's underrated puck protection. Mm-hmm. Uh, he reminds me, especially when he first came into the league, he reminded me a lot of Datsuk. He's not a big guy, but yeah. he's really hard on the puck for his size, protects it well, sees the ice so well. He's got an underrated shot. I mean, the guy was the first overall pick in the NHL, right? Yeah. <laughs> he kind of gets lost in the shuffle of all these first overall picks and Connor and Leon, but at the end of the day, he's a hell of a player. Second line had 10 points in Anaheim. So what has made this second line tick after basically, you know, Ryan McLeod was moved to uh, left wing on Leon Dreisaitl with Warren Fogle? It's confidence, baby. Mm-hmm. Hey, Ryan McLeod looks like he's full of it right now. Um, I mean, well, <laughs> you look at him at the start of the year, he's a shell of the player he is right now. And I don't think there's that much going different. I think he was skating really well at the start of the year, but it's amazing uh, what a little bit of confidence can do when that puck starts going in for you. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be back with more uh, with David Schlemko. We might get to a little bit of Oilers sound here because 
We kind of missed it when I was getting pelted with a barrage of <laughs> you suck comments. But I'm hey, I said to the Duke, I'm a big boy, I can handle it. He took it on the chin. I, I, oh yeah, and I got a question for you for next Wednesday too. Uh, more with David Schlemko coming up on the Kevin Carey Show on Sports 1440. Stay with us. All right, welcome back to the big program. Kevin Carey's David Schlemko on Sports 1440. Uh, we're going to hear from Zach Hyman uh, after last night's victory momentarily. Uh, Schlemmer, we had lots of discussion regarding John Tortorella earlier in the day. Basically, diss the media pregame, diss the media last night. I always think it's so hard for players and coaches to talk after a loss because you're upset. You're not happy. That's yep. just the way it is. So... My stance has been, I, I, this is how the scrum would have went last night. Torts, you know, Connor McDavid was basically, he won the game for the Oilers, you know. Yeah. One goal, four assists. You know, just your thoughts on the game. And he says, well, I don't want to talk about that. Okay. So <laughs> how, how would you have handled a reporter asking you a question similar to what we've been talking about with all our texters this morning? Well, how I would handle it and how Torts handles it is going to be different, right? Okay. I mean, Torts is notoriously known for this kind of crap, right? Mm -hmm. He picks fights with certain guys in the media. He gets super personally offended by articles written by certain guys in the media. So I guarantee you he knows exactly how much he has to say or not say to get fined or not fined. Mm -hmm. He doesn't give a rat's ass what any of the media thinks of him. All he cares about is what his team's doing. <laughs> He's not afraid to hide that. And I don't know for... I kind of respect it a little bit on some level, mm -hmm. but I... I mean, I do think you you got to give a little bit of a quote or a sound bite. These guys are still just trying to do their job. Okay. And what about how he could have, should have, maybe wants to deflect again? We had a couple texters say, you know, he could he has the opportunity here to say, yeah, Connor was great tonight, but our team hung in there. We didn't play our best game. We hung in there. Oh, sure. I mean, he has an opportunity to say that to the media, but... I'm, I guarantee you there's not one guy on that team that has to wonder what he's thinking today. He's going to go and say a lot more to them than he's going to say to the mm -hmm. media, right? Like, they're not going to know why, where they stand with John Tortorella by what he said in an interview. Last night after the Oilers game, Zach Hyman, who scored his 22nd goal of the season, had this to say to the media in the Oilers dressing room. We were just asking uh, Ryan about just there's still some sort of head shakers that Connor seems to make, even though we've all been watching it for so long here. Yeah. Um, yeah, he does it uh, all the time. So uh, you never know what to expect. So uh, it's really fun playing with him, obviously, and he just makes plays that uh, nobody else can make. So that's why he is who he is. So. Were you surprised when that puck landed on your stick? No. I mean, I, I knew he saw me, and... And then uh, I just went there because I figured he's going to get it there somehow and obviously made an unbelievable play to, to get it there. I just asked Ryan, but when you hear 900 and I guess 903 now, what what kind of comes to mind or what, what do you think when you hear that for, for somebody like that? Uh, for him, it's just another number. Like, I, don't, I don't know. Um, he's just happy we won, I mean, knowing him. But um, on the outside, obviously, just generational talent that's able to do that. Pretty special. Um, for the kind of the era that he plays in to be in categories with the guys um, 
you know, it's, I don't know if anybody's even close in recent memory, right? So pretty, pretty unbelievable and uh, pretty special to have the opportunity to play with him. When he makes a play like that, how satisfying is it to finish it off? And Yeah. <laughs> oh, I think, I mean, he made a number today, obviously, and mine was just one of however many um, that went in, right? So, um, yeah. It's always nice to put it in, especially when he's making a play like that. But uh, he probably makes more plays than not that uh, like that that don't go in, right? You just remember the ones that do. So, pretty cool. You're on a run yourself. This is the best run you've probably been on, where you, the goals just keep going in. Uh, yeah, I, I mean, I'd imagine. Uh, yeah, it's, it's just kind of going out there and just refreshing and resetting every game and just trying to go out there and help the team win. So, um, obviously, fun to contribute and uh, and be a part of it. We had an eight-game run, now a six-game run. Is this kind of what you expected out of your team from the start of the season? Yeah, I think, I mean, it's hard to tell when you're going to win an eight-game run or a six-game run. Hockey's unpredictable at times, right? I think the key for our group is just to play with a level of consistency that allows us to to give us a chance every night, and, and I think Stu's been doing that, and so is Picks, right? I think back there it starts with goaltending, and they've been phenomenal against Stu tonight. Uh, there were times in that game where we were outplayed, and, and he just shut the door and, and kept it tied. Um, so that, that helps a ton. So even when you were had that eight-game run, you were kind of like eight points back, and you'd wake up the next day, and then it'd be six, and then it'd be eight, and you're, you're making the, the gains now. You're moving up. You're like one point out ninth. Is this finally you know refreshing to see that you've made some statistical progress? Yeah, uh, I try not to look at the the stats. I, I think the only one I saw, was, which was I kind of got a chuckle at, was the one uh, where it kind of showed. Since I've been here, a record at Christmas has kind of been the same, even though each season's felt drastically different. So, um, but yeah, I try not to look at the standings. We're not even at halfway mark I think for us is just laying the foundation um, to be able to go and, and win every night and, and we do that you know we've had a lot of experience in the playoffs we know what it takes to get there and, and now we know what it takes to to win right to win games and it starts every day now and, and building that sense of belief and trust and foundation of your game so um, obviously very happy that it's coming to fruition here. That's Oilers forward Zach Hyman 22 goals on the year just a you know protects the puck so well down low against the wall so well and has a you know he he has a knack for the net to go to those spots just he's he's like so many guys we've seen in the past that that are willing to go to that blue Uh, i was just gonna say that that takes courage you know you you take a beating going to the areas he goes to on a consistent basis there's uh, a media darling, too. Hey, there's yeah. a polar opposite of John Tortorella right there. <laughs> Speaking of torts, he won't like this uh, when I say I don't think Philadelphia is good enough to make the playoffs. I don't think the team is good enough. Um, they went into this season saying that, that they're not a playoff team. Maybe not the Flyers themselves. I don't think the Flyers are good enough. I think there are three or four teams that are right around them right now that are better than the Flyers. Pittsburgh's better than the Flyers. The Devils are better than the Flyers. I don't think Philly makes the playoffs. What do you think? I agree 100%. I think uh, think Torts is getting everything he can out of that group. Mm -hmm. I mean, they played hard last night, but uh, I think that's only going to take them so far. Like you said, I think once a trade deadline happens, it's kind of like a new season out there. Everyone kicks it up a notch and... You know, those mm-hmm. contenders are adding pieces where Philly might be a team that's subtracting, and that's usually when you start to see that separation take place. 
Connor McDavid, uh, 602 games to 900 points. Crazy. Everyone, yeah, it is crazy. <laughs> and we had some texts come in earlier, just, uh, and I'm going to paraphrase, I can't remember, it was, well, it's probably an hour and a half ago. Just the fact, okay, 602 games. Wayne Gretzky did it in 385. Well, that's wild. Uh, and Mario, 463. So, and then we had a stat on while you were uh, last week, uh, Schlemmer, I think it was Thursday or Friday, it was uh, this day in sports history. Uh, Wayne Gretzky recorded his. 100th point of the season in his 35th game. <laughs> <laughs> well, I, I, I would like to know the average amount of goals scored in a game like that, in that era compared to this. It's a lot higher. You've seen the goaltending. <laughs> yeah. You know, I love the shots when you see the old highlights, the, the slap shots and the goaltender's out about, <laughs> <laughs> he's out and that still finds the back of the net. Their pads are so skinny. And, Goes for the kick save. Oh, yeah. Uh Mike Bossy, third at 582. Now, do you know who fourth is? I saw it last night. Mm-hmm. Uh, they had it as a D-man? No, 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 oh. no, no. Okay. Probably the most, one of the most underrated players. Oh, Stastny. Peter Stastny. Yeah, so Peter so Stastny did it in 599 games. So just three, three fewer than Connor McDavid. Now, Peter Stastny is the reason they changed the Calder Trophy. Uh, he came over here and won the Calder Trophy first year, but he was 25. Right. So you think about all, like, just think if he would have, I mean, he couldn't have, uh, with all the wall, et cetera, communism, and all the players that came over from the Iron Curtain, he came over and started his NHL career with his brothers, Anton and Marion, at 25. Yeah. Think if he's got another... Well, call it four or five years even because he played later, but obviously he played 10 solid years. And then his last three, four, five years were, you know, he's turning into an older, older player. So what I was trying to get at, could you imagine? I think he ranks, I don't know if he's top 40 all time in points right now, but he's around 42, 45. So if he plays, just give him another 500 points. He's right up there with all these, like he's up there with Yager and, yeah, right. he's up there with. You if he know, doesn't come in at twenty five. He oh. probably doesn't get to six hundred points that fast. Oh no, like he, or nine hundred. You know, yeah. Sorry. Uh, Aaron, hey, the text line's still working, Duke. Aaron says uh, Hyman is Ryan Smith two point We've used that analogy a little bit. Uh, yeah, I like that. Uh, this one I don't know a number. Okay, how about a follow up cost question? Talk, let's talk about your team and what could your team have done differently to possibly slow down the other team's number one center? I don't know what Torts would have said. I'm sure. I'm, I would love to hear him yeah. talk about that. <laughs> <laughs> that 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 he might have bit that guy's head off even more than the first one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Kevin Carius, yeah, David Schlemko. I don't sports, think Torts is a big sport. tire pumper of the other teams. <laughs> Uh, Big Husks comes in with a quick uh, internet look. Uh, 1980-81, what you're talking about, Schlemmer, 4.01 goals a game. Uh, 2021-22, 3.09. Is that per team? It must be. It must be. That does not sound right, Husks says. I don't know. Husks is sniffing it out for us. Um, Last night, also in the NHL, some critical games regarding the Oilers. Nashville keeps rolling. Predators, they, you know, 
They just seem to be sliding under the radar there. They're feeling it right now. Calgary beats Minnesota 3-1, and Toronto shuts out the LA Kings. Now, I've always said my number one power ranking team so far, probably not anymore, maybe down a little bit more, was the LA Kings. They've kind of fallen on a little bit of a slump here, lost three in a row. I think the Oilers have the ability now to catch them in uh, the Pacific to be in that top three. Uh, Do you think the Oilers can? How far back are they right now? Right now, the Oilers are seven points back, I believe. Uh, The Kings have 45, six points, pardon me, 45 for the Kings, but they have a game in hand. So 45 and 39. So the Oilers are 39. They're one point back of uh, Arizona in uh, the wild card. Nashville, again, 43 points in the wild card, number one spot. But Kings have 45. Oilers have 39. Oh, I think it's definitely doable. I mean... I don't think the Oilers are going to keep up this winning percentage they've no. had over the past month and change, but uh, it's definitely doable. You know what's the craziest stat is that after the start that the Oilers had, how bad they were, 2-11-1 or whatever it was, after 34, 35 games, they have the same amount of wins as the last two years. That is crazy. Because, I mean, the sky was falling here. Well, they've been a really streaky club. Whoa. I think that's going to be the key is when they drop one to kind of park it there and turn things around, you know? J-Max says, Peter Stastny was second most points in the 80s, only to Gretzky. Wow. Kevlar says, could we get Hyman to grow out the mullet for charity to kind of be like Smitty, I would imagine. I'm just (laughs) impressed that our text line is working. Miracle of modern modern technology, Kev. Uh, Euler Al says, hey Kev, I thought the Calder rules changed because of Makarov. That's a possibility. Makarov came over in the late 80s, 89. No, no, no. I think it was Pete Stasny because it was way. Makarov came after Stasny. Makarov played, in, I saw him play in the 88 Olympics. I was at a game. Russia oh, yeah. played in 88. Cool. Um, Oilers still play the Kings three more times also, Jordan says. Hmm. The rules changed in 1990. There you go. Oh, maybe it was Makarov. Yeah, no. Well, <laughs> I don't know. Or did they change it? Just I think uh, you had to be a, younger. Yeah, a younger player. You can't oh, okay. be twenty-five years old. Gotcha. Uh, when we come back, I guess we're going to do. Are you in or are you out? Oh, oh, it's the ski report. Oh yeah, I forgot about the ski report, Duke. You were working so hard during the break to get it rolling. <laughs> I'm you always sh- working. You should have seen him during uh, the Xmas break. There, we had a couple shows. Schlemmer. Yeah. The Duke was just just on fire back here. Like between the Christmas songs, between the texts coming in for. You know, request for whatever a Christmas song was. That one guy sent in about 10 in a row, and the Duke <laughs> was just firing them off. Did your mom get Silent Night, though? Yes, we closed out the... There you go. Uh, Friday show. Friday the 22nd with Silent Night, and we closed out the, the new year, like the 2023, when it went into the uh, new year with uh, running back to Saskatoon. Yeah. Yeah, yeah the, the, typical, the typical Friday uh, outro. Hmm. All right, here's the Duke with the ski report. This is the Sports 1440 Ski Report. Your ski report for Wednesday, January 3rd, brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Start your skiing journey at snowvalley.ca. It's a new year, but unfortunately not new in terms of the amount of snow that we are seeing here at our Alberta resorts. Conditions still mostly firm and quite icy out there. Marmot Basin continues to make snow, which is improving the lower mountain conditions, but the higher alpine still very thin coverage, making the skiing and riding in those areas a bit of an adventure. The new knob quad chair and the Eagle East 
east area still closed marmot currently operating on a 40 centimeter base similar story down in banff where the big three resorts of louise sunshine and norquay all receiving no new snow in the last week but all lifts are running across the three resorts in kananaskis nakiska's extensive snow making has allowed them to open up 52 runs on a base of 67 centimeters at castle mountain in the southwest corner of the province all lifts are operating with limited terrain and only advanced level skiing and snowboarding available on the upper mountain runs into bc revelstoke has been getting some snow with six centimeters fresh overnight and is reporting soft conditions on the upper mountain however fernie kimberly panorama and kicking horse are all suffering the same snow drought over on our side of the border into the okanagan silver star big white sun peaks and apex alpine all received five to eight centimeters in the last 24 hours and between 15 and 20 in the last week but conditions are still early season with lots of natural hazards to keep an eye out for local hills all operating and returning to regular hours following the holidays if you're heading out to the slopes you might want to give an extra thank you to all the groomers and snowmakers because without them there wouldn't be any skiing at all at many of the ski areas this winter that is your snow valley ski report Welcome back to the show. We're just kind of looking over uh, Dave Schlemko and, and myself looking over, uh, just doing a little commercial research on our guest at the top of the hour, Ray Whitney. Little, yeah, you could call it a pre-scout, uh, Schlemmer. And of course, the Wizard had a wonderful NHL career from Fort Saskatchewan and played his junior hockey in Spokane. Had a great year with Pat Falloon back in uh, 1991. They were, were a, a powerhouse team, but on that team, and I know this guy's little brother, Shane Toporowski. So Kerry Toporowski was on that team. And the Toporowski family from just outside Prince Albert, that's as tough as they come, the family, all the brothers. But yeah. anyway, that season in uh, Spokane, Kerry Toporowski had 505 penalty minutes. <laughs> he also had 11 goals, 16 assists as a D-man. Does it all? That's a lot of penalty minutes. That's impressive. Uh, in case you're wondering, Kerry Toporowski uh, went on to play in the American League. Uh, I, it's not in the American League, well, a little bit, I guess, IHL, but his PIMs were up there as well. Up there, <laughs> like 300 in Las Vegas for the Thunder, 283 in Adirondack. Wow. So, yeah, he's a. Uh, yeah, Paddockwood, Saskatchewan, just outside Prince Albert. That's where the Toporowski clan is from. And Shane, he when I was working in Prince Albert, he played for the Raiders as a 17-year-old. And he oh, had okay. and Shane was a pretty tough customer as a 17-year-old. Yeah. In the, I remember there was a guy named, I uh, played in Portland, Big Bad John Baduke. Yeah. And uh, the two of them got in a fight, and everyone's going, oh, no, Topper, oh, no, no, no. Because Baduke was 20 or whatever. And yeah. here's Toporowski coming on and fighting him as a 17-year-old. Uh, time now. Okay, Eddie and Redder, first of all, sorry, no, it was Makarov. Okay, called a rule change for Sergei Priyakin. Uh, rules couldn't have changed before then based on this, or am I right? In 1989, Makarov was allowed by the Soviet Union to join the NHL Calgary Flames. He won the Calder that year. Okay. It's now no known as the Makarov rule. I'll take this from J-Mac. But having said that, Peter Stastny won the Calder in 1981 or two or whatever it was as a 25-year-old. Okay. And I think then maybe it just continued on and said Makarov. So right. thanks for that for our viewers, Eddie and Red Deer, Euler Al, and J-Mac. Time now for Are You In or Are You Out? What's the good famous line? Are you in or out? 
We had some great times. We're about to have some more. I know that look. I'm putting together a team. Then I'm in. Just when I thought I was out, they pulled me back in. Are you in or are you out? On Sports 1440. I'm out. All right, Kev, first edition of In or Out with a guest back in the mix. Yeah, it's been, a, uh, it's just been you've the, been dominating me. been the two amigos <laughs> for uh, for quite a few consecutive shows here. Um, we're going to start with the Edmonton Oilers uh, and the hot topic of the day. No, not John Tortorella, but uh, Connor McDavid. Five points last night has now ran up to 903 in 602 games, bringing his uh, points per game total in his career to a nice and even 1.5, tied with Mike Bossy for third all time. Uh, by the time McDavid's career is over, he will be sitting in third place for the best points per game in NHL history. 100% in on this. Um the thing is that he's going to have to get a little higher than what he's doing for the next four or five years because he's going to slow down. It happens to everyone. Depends on how long he plays. But I'm going to go, yes, I'm in on this, to stay uh, ballpark where he is, to increase it over the next little bit and then see a little bit of a drop-off. I will go, I am in on Connor McDavid finishing with the third best points per game average in NHL history. I like it, Kev. I'm with you. I'm in as well. Um, I do think he'll slow down towards the end of his career, but um, just working with a lot of the young kids in hockey, I, I, I don't think the scoring's going anywhere. I think that it's just going to continue to be more and more of a skill game, so I think the scoring's going to keep going yeah. up, and I think that's going to help him. The other thing, too, even if his skating speed and edges um, come down by 15%, Still he's the still, fastest. He's still, he's still <laughs> the fastest. It's just crazy. Oh. The Edmonton Oilers, uh, with their sixth win in a row last night, have uh, vaulted themselves to third in the wild card race, uh, just one point back of the Arizona Coyotes with a game in hand. But in the grander scheme of the Pacific Division, they trail Los Angeles by six points and Vegas Golden Knights, who sit third and second respectively, they trail Vegas by 10. Uh, I'm saying after the couple re- recent winning streaks, it's no longer outlandish to suggest the Oilers can still secure home ice advantage in the first round of the NHL playoffs. So that, mean, that means they got to get second. Second in the place in the division. You want to go first, Schlemmer? Yeah, I'm 100% in on this one. I guess we kind of just talked about it before mm-hmm. the last break here, but uh, thanks to uh, our listener there who... Uh, let us know that they have three head-to-heads left, so I don't think it's outlandish at all. I agree with you. I don't know what's going on. It must be uh, just a new year. All, everyone's in such a great mood. You know? Everybody love everybody. Yes. Yelly. All our great listeners that have been pelting me with rocks and garbage. Uh, no, I just I think the way the schedule sets up, they make a little bit of a push here. Still have a lot of head-to-head games with Vegas and the Kings. And... And the other thing, too, here, Vancouver has to have a little bit of a, just a lapse here. The Canucks can't keep going with their – I mean, they've been on to a, a fantastic pace right now. We've been saying that since the first week of the season, I and they get still it. do it. I get it, but they're going to have a little lapse where they lose, you know, whatever, two out of – or lose two out of three or three out of four a couple yeah. times, and that's going to allow the orders to get back in. And having said that, the orders have to continue what they're doing as well, so – Number three, 
for uh, our Wednesday edition of In or Out. Uh, Sidney Crosby and Alex Ovechkin facing off again last night. Both of them getting on the score sheet for the first time in uh, quite a while, but going all the way back to their rookie seasons in 2005-2006, I'm uh, saying Sid and Ovi have formed the best head-to-head player rivalry of the 21st century, spanning across... All, all sports? All four Ooh. major North American sports. I didn't know that's what you meant Jeez, when Duke. I read this earlier. That, what a curveball. <laughs> what a curveball by the Duke. Oh, now you gotta, got me thinking. I got to uh, – and again, in other sports, you don't see – so now in baseball, what is it, a pitcher-batter rivalry? Right. Football, what is it? I mean, is it a DB-receiver rivalry? I would think so. Uh, you or maybe know, an, a D-line line, and a quarterback. quarterback. And, yeah. Um, I'll go first. I – I'm going to be in on this. I, I There's no way. I can't think of a better rivalry. Two faces oh. of franchises. They've both won cups. It's been a great rivalry. Like they, they've both won everything there is to win on an individual mm-hmm. level. They've both won practically everything there is to win on a team level, with the exception of some international success for Ovechkin. I'm only thinking, and I guess it's not 21st century, is bird magic. Yeah, 21st century is the year 2000. I get it. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> I'm trying to think basketball, Duke. Yeah, like I'm trying to think basketball. Basketball, because like obviously the, the biggest face of the NBA has been and still is LeBron James. But like, who is the one guy that's his, you know, personal rival? Like, he teamed up with Wade. It's the last team he played for. I'm trying <laughs> yeah. to, like, someone with Kobe. Yeah, but like, and I don't know, because the thing is, usually in the NBA, if they're like the, the two, the, there's usually one mm-hmm. best player. In the NHL, it has like kind of switched back and forth, but like we we do say Crosby's kind of the best player of that generation. Now it's trading over to McDavid, but like Ovechkin had his time where there was a good couple year stretch where he was like outperforming I Crosby. I'll have to agree. So that's three for three. <laughs> We're uh, I mean, you in the think same of those, I, I just don't know what else. Series back in the day, like, yeah, those are good. And they came in. They're both in the league since you know the lockouts since so five. So, I mean, number one draft picks, you know, I, I yeah, I'll go with it. I'm in. All right, number four, uh, heading into the NFL's final weekend here of the regular season, uh, the New York Jets announcing uh, that they've cut Dalvin Cook, who was one of their big uh, premier offseason acquisitions after he was released from Minnesota. Aaron Rodgers out for the season. Dalvin Cook underwhelming the offense, cannot score points to save their lives. Uh, all this rolled in. The New York Jets are this season's Winner of most disappointing team. Oh, well, there's a few disappointments out there, Duke. I don't know. It's kind of tough. You're looking at Carolina at 2-14, and 14, but uh, you know what? I'm, I'm going to agree with you. I'm going to go in just because of everything that's happened. There was so much positivity with the Jets heading into this year, so much hope with uh, Rodgers, and, yeah, everything's just kind of running right down the toilet for him. I'm going to be out on this. I'll say Carolina, just because they had the number one draft pick. They believed that their pick was better than the second pick in Stroud over Young. They believed that Young was going to lead them back to competitiveness, respectability. It's tururned out that the other way, it's uh, that Stroud has outperformed Bryce Young by a mile. So I'm going to say I'm out on this one. I'll say Carolina is the biggest disappointment this year. L.A. Chargers probably in the mix. I mean, they're a team that with, mm-hmm. when you have a quarterback like Justin Herbert, you expect to be a contender virtually You just want to year. give it to Connor. Well, I mean, hey, <laughs> but th- there's like like Schlemko said, there's a lot of uh, um, applicants here, like even Struddy's Giants. Mm-hmm. They, were a, they won a playoff game last year. They yeah. suck. They are terrible. <laughs> That's a bad football team. 
like th- that and back to what you said though Kevin that that trade yeah. for last season's uh, number one oh, pick it's that, insane that will probably go down as the worst trade in NFL yeah. history I think all right we can wrap up uh, steering ourselves away from sports uh, this day 1977 going back to your uh, your heyday Kev <laughs> <laughs> oh I was pumping it that year Apple the company Apple was incorporated <laughs> by uh, Steve, Steve Wozniak <laughs> and Steve Steve Jobs. Uh, to this day, the original iPod from the early 2000s is the best innovation that Apple has released. The iPod is that. That's the original like music player. Oh, that tiny one, that little no, one. No, it was like, like it was like this big. Oh, and had okay. like a little screen on it. With well, the I little, got one the that's little like wheel, this, about an inch or two. Yeah, inch. that's, a, that's, that's an iPod a nano shuffle or nano. Oh, or, okay. Uh well, I probably would say no. I'd say I'm, I'm out on this. The iPod is the company's best innovation. No, because I think wouldn't it be the iPhone? I think the iPhone with the the ability. iPod the iPod walked so the iPhone could run. I get it, but you're, that's not what the question is. <laughs> uh, so I, I think the iPhone was the best thing because now it basically got got rid of cameras. Correct. Yeah, that's fair. So, okay. but even like uh, like the black like Blackberries were the first smartphones, yeah. and they had cameras in them. You stole my answer, Duke. Sorry, <laughs> sorry, Dave. <laughs> well, I was gonna say that the black like the smartphone I think was great, but BlackBerry was the first. Also, the iPod. Like, have you ever seen those pictures from back in like the nineties with the guy with like the big speaker the over boom, his the shoulder? Boom box, like, and then because it was like boombox like, uh, and Walkman or Discman, all like, that gear that went right into your pocket, right? The, the iPod changed everything. So I that probably to me I'll be in. That is the best innovation because it took all that stuff and put it right in your pocket. Because uh, everything else that Apple's done, either was already done and they kind of did their version of it, or was immediately succeeded by. The same thing, like whether with the watches, the smartphones, even their computers, like the original Macs and stuff. Like the iPod was one of one. Okay, I, I, I know, Duke. You're you're talking to a guy that had a flip sh- phone till about three years ago. I shouldn't have. Uh, note, note to self: Don't put any more technology questions into in or out. Uh, unless, yeah. unless I don't Kev, mind it. Unless I first Kevin's out, I've agreed off. with every, I enjoy the like the uh, uh, what uh, Wozniak in the movies uh, with. Uh, What's the Apple guy again? It's Jobs. Jobs. Stevie Jobs. I like all those movies. Gwazniak. All of them? Pretty well. I like the one with uh, Kate Winslet in there. Oh, yeah. I like that one because, you know, he just Kate berate. Winslet was in it? No, she was the, <laughs> like a sec- personal assistant yeah, or whatever. Yeah, yeah Jobs yeah. is like personal. Yeah, EA, executive assistant. Sure. But uh, there was one with Ashton Kutcher. I don't think that one was very good. I haven't seen that one, though. Oh, okay. But he was Jobs as well, so. Uh, yeah, that's all I got for you guys. Happy Wednesday. Smartphones welcome, ruin, welcome back. Smartphones <laughs> ruined the world from Brent. A lot of texts coming. Duke, the text line's just blowing up. Uh, Ward versus Gotti. That, we never took block. You were just talking about the four sports. Four, four okay. North American sports. Yeah. So team lot, sports. Team a lot sports. of Cristiano Ronaldo and Messi. I get that. Yeah, so Duke was just going with uh, the, the four major sports. Brady and Manning, we got a lot of texts, yeah. but they're not really going against each other. They aren't. Yeah, they aren't it's, playing I, each that, other. That was a great rivalry, but yeah, yeah, like they don't play against each other. Yeah. It's more of a comparison. Yeah. Actually, Lattimore versus Mike Evans. That's actually a pretty good one. <laughs> they literally, they literally fight every time they play. Ah, uh, solid. Um, 
When we come back, the wizard, Ray Whitney. We're going to have to ask him about Toporowski. Yeah. He's going to go, oh, that guy was a savage. He's going to go. <laughs> uh, that's coming up at the top of the hour. Ray Whitney will join us. Before that, time now for a sports 1440 update brought to you by Snow Valley Ski Club. Book your kids 5 to 12 years old in one of our holiday camps running throughout the Christmas school break. Visit snowvalley.ca for details.